does. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello and welcome to Burkhamp Wonderland. We are occasionally an Arsenal podcast. You can tell it's winter. Look how long my hair is. It's an absolute disgrace. It is a special bearded edition tonight and uh, the Pirates should be here, but we all know and anybody at home knows that if you're listening on, on earphones that all he does is have that bloody window open and hear motorbikes and cars and Formula One cars going by and today is the day he's decided to do something about having his window. So he might be joining us at some point during the pod. We honestly don't know because quite frankly the bloke is, is he's a charlatan. And that, that's me being polite. With me tonight uh, is Femi. How are you doing, a treacle? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm just uh, in my little... What's what's the thing that Harlan does? Is it that one or this one? I don't know what he does, but that's how I've been since Sunday, just trying to just bring my levels down a little bit. Just relaxing. Relaxing, yeah. Taking it easy. <laughs> trying to deal with the situation. Was it, was it, what did they say that, that movie? Like, Woosa, Woosa. Uh, um... yeah. yeah, yeah, that's been me since Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, Richard's giving it away for, for who our other guest is. He's back. Sorry. It's Rich. How are you doing? I'm very well, my mate. I'm very well. Very tired. Uh, but apart from that, but in good spirits, to be fair. How are you? Yeah, I, I can't be bothered to do anything, really. I'm sitting here in a T-shirt and socks. I've not done my hair. I've not done my beard. I've had the blinds in the sitting room down for about three weeks now. And it's nearly Christmas. So that's the only thing to keep me going. And I've uh, I've been having Marks and Spencer's uh, Tagliatelle. I could barely say it, let alone know what it is. But it's, it's not bad. Very, very fancy. I know. Well, it's only £3.50. Not the very the most expensive. I've even been trying their chilli con carne. As long as I don't look at the little bits of red in it, I don't like tomatoes. But anyway, that's not what we're here for. Uh, the burning discussion here, I'll say hello to some of the people in the chat. Ron Ree was there. He was six minutes early. He was there before he were YouTube bothered turning up. Um, yeah, afternoon, Ron Ree. Formerly Noza. Do Newcastle. This is Champions League. What happens when you don't have refs on your side? Yeah, <laughs> tell us about that. Uh, Stefan says that they must be getting used to the clocks changing. Yes, uh, Phil's there. Hello, gents. Just about to, I think I'm just about calmed down. Mr. Waffles is there, fresh from the game against Man City. After you left the country, Mr. Waffles, Arsenal turned to shit. It's all gone wonky after, well, we had to win against uh, Sheffield United, but that's not the point. Formerly Noza, Stefan, yeah, Noza's got it right. Carpenter out if he turns up. We'll turn us if there's no problem. He's had his little break just in time for the international break. Ridiculous. I'd call a lineup of ABW legends and Danny. Thank you very much for that, you shit bag. What, what has Chris been doing in the on the window? Well, you know, he does sit there and he does a uh, does a whistle in one of his uh, jogging tops and uh, whistling at the sailors as they go by. But we won't go into that. Um, Femi, we were talking before the show started. How, what percentage of an Invincibles trophy do Spurs get for going almost 11 games unbeaten? Have you have we come to any decision on that? Because it's quite vital because they need it for the bus parade at the end of the season. <laughs> they definitely do, don't they? Um, 
what big Ange and his uh his parade around North London, yeah, for eleven games. What, no, ten games on beating, right? Yeah, nearly, no, nearly. Oh, no, ten, ten and a half, or ten and seventy minutes, whatever they <laughs> they were they were level for yesterday. But yeah, well done to them for that magnificent four-one defeat. Oh. But brilliant, brilliant, weren't they in defeat yesterday? Great they tactics. Have, they should have lost much more than that. I mean, for Chelsea <laughs> to have three goals disallowed. And uh, and and Spurs got away with some some rugby style tackling and fouling and yeah, it's wonderful to see. It's great. It was. Were, I mean, they were playing rugby lineout um, tactics, weren't they? With all their players in Chelsea's half. Yeah, they thought that was a great that was a great plan, wasn't it? Let's let's defend in the other team's half with all our players. They did say on the on the commentary that's what he was known for at Celtic, going all out yeah, football. And it reminded me a little bit, Rich, of remember when Ozzy Ardiles was manager of Spurs, and they used to play five or six forwards. And yeah, it was an interesting football because they sometimes they'd win five four, but then more often than not they get absolutely smashed. But so are you yeah. in last night's result and the <coughs> their invincibles run? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to take some, some part of credit for it in the sense of, so like I, obviously on, on Monday nights, I, I coach. Um, so I I didn't see the, the start. I came in halfway through the game and, and as regular viewers uh, of this would probably know, my wife is a Spurs fan, uh, which just goes to show how great she is in every other aspect of her life that I can look past her being a Spurs fan. Yeah. And one of the things is she's got this weird thing that she calls the hoodoo voodoo that I'm not allowed to watch Spurs because allegedly it's my fault that they lose. Uh, so I came home and came in the house, uh, sat down from training and they were one nil up. And then literally as soon as I seemed to turn up in the house, the wheels came exploding off this town car Romero's kicking people the doggies two footing people uh and then I say all, all hell breaks loose and yeah it just absolute farce so much so that I got ordered out of the uh out of the out of the living room um <laughs> so I bowled off I came back so it's a little a long tangent went off came back downstairs um just as to witness this weird Sabutio all in one line zero seven one formation thing that they were doing. And I, I just thought, what is this? This is garbage. And um yeah, it, after their third goal went in, it got turned off. Um so I didn't even hear the uh, the pundits absolutely eulogizing the great invincibles of 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 uh twenty twenty-three. Um and you know the big uh, Ange loving, so uh, I, I missed all of that. So they don't even, they don't get any trophy from me, not even a sarcastic one. It's ridiculous. I mean, they don't, they don't even get the little trophy that Wenger got for for almost eleven games, do they? Let alone a gold one. It's uh, it is disgusting. Uh, let's have a little chat about because um, we missed quite a few weeks because. Uh, Chris had a I don't know he had a stoning issue or something. I don't know. Maybe he'll explain himself when he turns up. But um, after we went to Sevilla and got the the two one win, that was pretty decent. Femi, were you at the the game where Eddie finally became a man and smashed a hat, thirty minute hat trick against Sheffield United? Yeah, at the game, at the game. So what do you think of his performance? Uh, yeah, have, have we got the man we need there to guide us to, to future glories with with thirty goals a season in the league alone? Um, I would say for anything 
thirteenth place down. I think he's 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 a he's good enough. I think he's good enough. Yeah. That is Anything damning above. with faint praise. Well, what do you want me to say? <laughs> that's good. I'm, I'm, that's, that's a, I think that's good praise. <laughs> if I said what I really think, <laughs> but no, he's. I mean, it was a, it was a. <laughs> you could, it's a Premier League hat trick at the end of the day. Not many players have, have scored that. To be fair to him. Um, I mean, I've been reading someone saying that Rashford hasn't scored a Premier League hat-trick, even at, you know, however long he's been in the league, however many games he's played. Um, he hasn't scored a hat-trick in the league. So, fair plays. Um, they played Sheffield United a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, not a lot of people have scored that many goals against them. So, although a lot of people did say, oh, you know, it's only Sheffield United, if you look at their results, they actually haven't been hammered by anyone. Um, yes, it's, I think it's only Newcastle that's pumped them at St James's Park. I think. Weird, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that was that was at their ground. <laughs> they beat them eight 0 So like yeah, a... it's it's gone. No, no, gone. We all like a bit of a quiz, so I'm going to have a little quiz with you two, a little bit of fun. I've got a list of every hat trick, including the four goals for the Arsenal scored in the Premier League era. Um, you can take it in turns. And uh, see who, who who's going to get the most. So, Richard, you go first. First, first, tell us how many. First person to do. How many have there been? Oh, Jesus. Well, it's been one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Oh, there's been about 40. But 40. Indivi- individual <laughs> players, I, I, okay. I don't know. So, um, Richard, you go oh, first. Go so, use the what first person. That- the first person, then I'm going to mark them, and then uh, we would. Yeah, so I'm just uh, naming naming an Arsenal player who scored a hat trick in the Premiership. Yeah. So like Walcott. Okay, so you've got Walcott. That means that uh, Walcott is now green. That's okay, Femi. You, if you get, if you ever guess, oh, you God. get it wrong. You don't get another get. You it goes back to the other person. So, I've got a nice and easy Terry Henry. Hold on, I'm still looking, uh, and Femi can be uh, can be red. All right, so on. Oh my god, it's gonna take me bloody ages to do the Henri ones, right? Richard, you do your one. <laughs> uh, surely Uncle Ian, old Ian, right? I can cross all those out. There's five there. Um, right, you're on green, so Ian Wright, yeah, Ian Wright managed to get four, I think. Ian Wright has now he's got five, five, lovely. Oh, Henri has actually got. Five, six, seven has got eight, and Walcott had three. So, um, Femi, what are you going to do? What are you going for? Uh, my days. Uh, let's go. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> my mind's gone black. <laughs> Carnu at, at at Chelsea. Yes, that's uh, Mr. Carnu. He only got one Premier League hat trick, Richard. Uh, the man this wonderful podcast is named after, Dennis Beckham. Yes, indeed. He got one there. Uh, he only got one. Only was that the Leicester one? Family hat trick, I think it must have been. Femi. RVP. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he got three. Yeah, he got three. Three in a row. No one else got in between his three. There we go. So, uh, Richard. Uh, Anelka. Anelka, good answer. Anelka got one. Anelka only got one. Only one. Only one. Shocking. 
So the first person to uh, it's getting tough now. First person to get one wrong, and then if the next person exactly. gets it wrong, then no. it's all over. I'm not going to add them up. No, Too I'm many. totally lost. I'm totally lost. I, I, uh, I imagine the chat box is absolutely you know screaming gonna, at us right now. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go old school because. I'm sure there was some before Ian Wright. It must have been hat tricks before Ian Wright. The yeah, it was. He's been on the show. He joined Kevin Campbell. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, super, super Kevin Campbell. 1993 got two of them. People forget that. Absolute legend. Richard? Jermaine Pennant. Snuck in there, yes. Got one against uh, Leeds, I think. No, uh, Southampton, wasn't it? Uh, oh, it says it here. It was Southampton. I don't know why I said Leeds. Yeah, absolute nonsense. When the the unbeaten run started, so that means one. that means if, yeah, if yeah. he got one, that means Robert Perez got one because he got one It is indeed. Bobby Perez only got one. So Richard. <laughs> There's, there's, you've got to choose from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You can't have Eddie because that's what we're talking. So you've got ten to pick from, and and there's one person got uh, three of them in a row. Surely a Bamiyang. A Bamiyang only got one against Leeds, <sighs> oh. 2021. Oh, Femi, in, in off on. the post. No. Um, <laughs> so I was going to go Adam Out of all Smith, the ones that I have only feeling one of them Adam Smith didn't score a lot in the Premier League They're all foreign apart from one yeah. okay, let, uh, And if you listen I'm to TalkSport but... Do you ever listen to TalkSport? Yeah, yeah You know when it comes on they go Have you, you have to tell it's Alexa only to allow you to <laughs> it's only Ray Parler against against Newcastle, December two thousand. Oh, Rich. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to say the beautiful, handsome man himself, Olivier Giroud. He only managed to get one against Aston Villa in two thousand and sixteen. Never said that name. Uh, Nose said Bromford Pele was Champions League, wasn't it? And I think it was the UEFA Cup against Werder Bremen as well. He got two hat tricks. Which is mm. unbelievable. The bit where it was a it was a winger for ages, wasn't it? It's was only late in his career he went in midfield and started kicking people. So um who says you so Femi, down to you. We said RVP already, right? So yeah. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I don't know if it was at Tottenham, but he definitely got a hat trick at Debayor. He got three. Definitely got a hat trick, right. Three hat tricks. Two against Derby and one against Blackburn. Oh, narrowing it down. Two against it really is. We're only, we're only killing done. time till Chris gets here. <laughs> I'm done, by the way. Uh, I'm going to possibly... Oh, he didn't, did he? Alexis? Yeah, Sanchez managed to get two. Alexis. West Ham and against Leicester. Um Give you a little clue, Femi. He's got the quietest feet in football, Gimli used to say. Quietest feet in football? And maybe the smallest. Arshavin, Arshavin, Arshavin. 
It is. No, that's not the one I was thinking of. But yeah, Arshwin, he got four v Liverpool. He's got four, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, so obvious as well. Jesus. So we've got uh, a Dutchman, a Frenchman, a Swede, a Spaniard, and a Welshman. <laughs> okay. The Welshman's got to be Rambo, eh? It certainly is Rambo. Uh, 2018 v Everton, Femi. There's only one, has, two, a three. A Swede has got to be Freddie Jungberg. It is Lundberg. <laughs> They've got, you'll go, uh, Richard, be, got three I was going to say Kim Carlstrom, but. I was going to say, yeah, didn't he? Did, did, he, did, he, did, he did he score a hat-trick with a broken back? Uh, hat-trick v Middlesbrough in 99. A hat-trick v West Ham in 2001. And the last one was against Reading in 2012. They've all only ever scored one hat trick each in the Premier League. <sighs> Genuinely, I cannot think of any more. And they all um, played in the same position. And none of them are strikers. Sesk? <sighs> uh, Did he ever get a, a hat trick? Uh, Ah, boom. If Femi, if you get one of these, Femi, you've won. And if you get, if you don't get it, any of those clues? Uh, they've all played in the same position. In fact, they all replaced each other: a Dutchman, a Frenchman, and a Spaniard. Afternoon, Stanley. Uh, let's say. Said Freddie already. I'm done. A Dutchman. We said Burkamp, Mark Overmars. <laughs> he wins it with Mark Overmars. <laughs> well done, mate. Well done. And do you want to save face a little bit, Richard, and try and guess one of the other two? One was a Frenchman, also played on the left side. It's got to be so, a left winger, yeah. And so did this Spaniard played on the left wing before moving infield in his second season. That means it's. <sighs> No, no idea. On the left Santee. wing, Santi. Yeah. Santi, indeed. Yes, okay. hat trick Reading in two thousand and twelve, and the final one, World Cup winner with France. Will Todd. Will Todd. Hat trick for West Ham in two thousand and one. But you said left winger. When did he, he play? He played. <laughs> did he play on the left? Did he? Was, I don't know. Yeah, he played on the left. He was he went on the left after um uh, Perez um Perez, I think he did. Help me in the chat, people. Did it? Did uh, we'll talk? No, he out, Perez outlasted him. Perez. I mean, um, I replaced Overmars, not Perez. Fuck's sake. Oh. Well, there we go. That's it. We've, we've run out of stuff to talk about now. Uh, hey. <laughs> anything to not talk about referees, eh? Oh, dear. We're, we're, gonna, we're not going to do it. There's, there's absolutely no point doing it. I've got a little stat here for you, Richard, on, on Enketia. He has played, he started 37 Premier League games out of the 100 that he's played, and he scored 19 goals in 100 games. Is that good enough for a bloke who's, what's he, 23, 24 now? Give me that second. He's, he's played. He's played 100 Premier League games, of which he started 37, and he's got 19 goals in them games. Is that good enough? That's not terrible, to be fair. I think it's it's kind of with Eddie. It's it's kind of the eye test in the sense of 
you can see the drop off in our attacking play when it's him spearheading the attack rather than uh, uh, than Gabriel Jesus. I think that's more of the, you know, uh, yeah. Because I mean, that's not terrible. I don't know about you guys, but that doesn't it doesn't strike me as as awful stats from from a a, a lad who we brought in. We spent no money on. We brought in from the academy. That's not not and who is a second choice striker. That's not terrible, to be fair. Ben, do you think has, has he got a future? At the club? Um, see, my problem is, or my my thing is, it's he's not really a second choice striker, is he? Really, or you really think about it, he's played almost every Premier League game this season. So he's not mm. actually. I mean, it. it it's not his fault that he's playing so many. He hasn't missed so a game all season. Havertz, yeah, White, so and Nketiah he... and Gabriel have played minutes in every game this season. Supposedly he might be out for tomorrow, though, eh? Yeah, yeah. So I did read. Well, yeah, that, um, I, 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 for me, it, it's the fact that he's just not second choice right now, and I just don't think he's good enough to be um, Arsenal's main striker, especially at the level that we're we're playing at. You know he's he's good for a certain level, but if you're talking about going to the next level, you've. I mean, there's not when you look at world football, there's not that many great great strikers. But what Arsenal absolutely absolutely need to do is get a tough, robust striker that's going to play the majority of their games without breaking down. You know, you're looking at world football now. You're looking at I'm watching Champions League right now. You're looking at the Haaland, Harry Kane. Um, there's, 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 they're littered all over the place. So we just have to get to that point where we get a player that's not going to break down. And for me, there's just too much wrong with with his game personally for me to to be that invested in him as a striker. But I mean, he's he's first choice striker in, in by default only. He's not like I said. If, if Gabriel Jesus is fit, he's not. He's not spearheading that attack, so he is. He is quintessentially essential uh, a, a second striker, a, um, a replacement striker. It's just our first choice striker is constantly fucking banjaxed, uh, which I think is the, the the bigger issue and the bigger the bigger problem is the reliability and availability on Jesus, who who seems to like, you know, same with party, That's same with ERS. <laughs> it's you know. It would it's just too many, too many injury, you know, too, no, I don't want to say injury program. That's, that sounds a bit harsh, but just too many unreliable fitness wise players, you know? If you look yeah, at the games you've played this season, we didn't score against Newcastle, five against Sheffield United, two against Chelsea, one against City, four against Bournemouth, two against Spurs, one against Everton, three against United, two against Fulham. One against Palace and two against Forest. Is is goal scoring our problem this season in the Premier League, Fem? No, goal what creation is, what is, is definitely a problem. Creating chances mm. is a massive problem for us. I don't think scoring is a problem, but I think if you look at a lot of those goals, a lot of them are set pieces. A lot of the goals are set pieces. A lot of the chances we create are from set pieces. We're we're in the bottom half of open play chance creation, and I know a lot of people don't like stats and, and, and whatnot and whatnot but it's kind of like when you get to I know we're going to get to the Newcastle game in a minute but when you start seeing when you're 1-0 down against a team that's defending in their box basically for, for like the last 20 minutes 
that's when you start seeing, okay, we kind of have a problem like creating chances, don't we? It, 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 it's crazy, but we just don't create enough chances. If you look at last season, I think we had four players in the top six of chance creation in the whole league. <laughs> like all our four, we, we had Saka, Martinelli, Erdegaard and someone else. I can't remember who the, who the fourth one was, but... Holy Xhaka. Now we're... No, I don't think it was Xhaka. I can't remember who it was, but now we, we haven't got anything. Martinelli? We haven't got anyone in the... Um, it was Martinelli, yeah. yeah. Now we haven't got any in, in that top six. So we're just not creating anything. So I, that it's just a massive problem. And if you look at, <clears throat> like I said, we score a lot of goals from set pieces, a lot of goals, penalties and, and corners, even our corners on Saturday, that's a different story. But a lot of our chances are coming from there. But yeah, we, we've really got to improve. We've, and I think it comes with... With moving the ball quicker, we we move the ball so slowly. It's it's amazing, but yeah. Carl wants to know where's Chris, the bloke, come out and fix his his window that he's been hanging out whistling at the, the sailors as they go by. Um, do you want to say anything on that, Richard, or are you ready for my next question? Um, to talk about no, just to say that the 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 Arsenal fan who grew up on George Graham's Arsenal is is reveling in the set piece goals. Um. But I, I agree with, with with what Femi's saying, and the speed of our build up is is really been affected. But you know, a big a big chunk of that has been the the Partey injury, the loss of uh, of of Xhaka and and not the straight replacement. You know, almost like for like of it, and just the fact that, like I said, we you know Gabriel Jesus for for most of the game, Saka has looked absolutely burnt out um, from. Uh, even from the tail end of last season, he looked, he, he looked burned out. You know, he even got injured. And then Mar- and Martin Odegaard getting injured. And the fact that teams are, uh, especially from the first half of last season, are playing us very differently in the sense of everybody's sitting back now. Everybody's um, uh, defending deep two banks of four against us. Whereas, especially in the first half of last season, it was a little bit more open. It was a little bit more um, to and fro and, and kind of thing. And a bit more of a, an, an, not an even game, but I don't think teams realise how good we were last season. We were able to capitalise. So I think it's 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 not a simple reason or a simple solution. It's, it's loads of multifaceted like things that are, messing us messing us up or not even messing us up because it's not even if we're doing massively badly we're still dominating games we're still you know we're getting loads of corners and stuff like that and penalties and and stuff like that but it's it's we're not clicking as we would but it's really not surprising when you look into all those soft factors that all come together to you know to to stunt our um our progression yeah i remember Uh, um this time last season we were all saying if we lose party, we're pretty screwed. We, I remember us saying that all last season. We were like, "Oh my god, mm. if he gets injured, if he misses games, we we're screwed. We're so screwed." And I think we, the end of last season, kind of his form that absolutely, as well as the couple of injuries that we had at the back, his form absolutely went down the toilet within a, a within that West Ham. Was it the West Ham game? Yeah, the West Ham game. And he just never recovered from that. He was never the same player. And 
I think we kind of came into the season thinking, oh well, you know, he'll he'll just get there, won't he? He'll get there, he'll get there. And now he's just we're still missing that piece in midfield that creates that the, opens, that does things. If you look at the start of the season for Sakari's first seven Premier League games, four goals, two assists, you think that's it, he's on for another magnificent season. Out against Man City and the next three games, he's got one assist. And you've seen a dramatic change in the way that Saka plays the football because he is getting kicked so much. And he's uh, he's obviously, oh, I say obviously, I don't think he's as fit as he would like to be. Quite a lot of the time he's hobbling around. But Rich, the question I wanted the, the next topic to talk about is if you compare last side, last season's side, which I've said in our WhatsApp group, compare last season's side and the style of football, exhilarating, thrilling, stunning, beautiful football. And in your play, compare against this season where we look at every single game virtually, apart from PSV and even Sheffield United before we started banging in the goals, we look like we're on, on the on the verge of about to collapse. And we're 17 games into the season and I haven't really enjoyed any of them. And that's the game where we beat Man City twice already out of 17 games or one on penalties. But am I being am I being a little bit out of order? Is, is this the process? Is, is, is everything shifting to a stats-based game? I think one of you said that in the WhatsApp group. Um, yeah, but I mean the, the whole the football the way the way it's been analysed and 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 progressed and and changed is you know viewed and skewed by by stats. Um, I I I, I kind of see where where you're coming from, but I also think there's there's a little bit of not revisionist, but in the sense of you know we didn't blow every team away last season. And I think the, the great run and the great journey that we went on last year has kind of uh, allowed people to see things through rose tinted glasses in the sense of, you know, like I said, we didn't, we didn't blow loads of teams away last season, but it was completely unexpected. You know, no one, you know, not that many people even thought we could push into the top four let alone lead the league for 95% of the season. So, you know, our expectations were here and what we were delivering was up here. So we were so happy um, and, and so joyous and everyone was exhilarated. But now this season, you know, where what we've delivered has dropped a little bit, but our, expect, uh, our expectations have risen so much. So we're kind of viewing things a little bit harsher than we would do because I think we, we're kind of expecting to because we did so well last season that we're going to blow teams um, away every game and it's it's you know it was never going to be that way you know in, in in you know I think again you know going by stats I think prior to the to the um, to the Liverpool uh, to the Newcastle fiasco uh, you know we were and we still might be quite high in the thing we were like first in you know, XG conceded. Um, we were second in goals conceded. We were, you know, we were dominating games in the sense of, in terms of possessions, in, in terms of not allowing teams to to affect us or hurt us and stuff like that. You know, we were controlling the majority of games. The problem that we're, like I said, as we're getting is our attack isn't clicking because of all those factors. It, because of, like I said, the the injury that that Partey thing, as as Femi touched on earlier, being so crucial to how we transition and how we play and how we feed that ball into Odegaard to give him space, 
um, to get them for him to give uh, Saka and, and put it in, you know, the ball into them when they've got space around them. Now it's taking a little bit longer to get to him. It's taking that, you know, a little bit longer to beat that defender. And we're coming up against a, you know, two banks of four, which is, is really hard to break down, especially when we've got someone like Inkesia, who is a low touch striker, who's five foot seven, and you know, is not gonna massively challenge the the Dan Burns, the the um you know the the I can't remember any other Neanderthal giant in the centre backs at this present moment in time, but he's not going to challenge them in the air. That we haven't got that kind of alternative thing that maybe maybe Havertz could be, maybe um, if if we need him to. So I, I I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's as bad as as people made out. I don't know if I explained that that very well, and, and I suppose mm-hmm. if people are not watching on YouTube and didn't see my hand gestures, but um, yeah, like I said the the. The, the expectation has just grown exponentially, and I think that's what's souring our attitudes. You do know that Eddie isn't five foot seven, don't you? You're just joking. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was being a bit slightly facetious. What is he? Is he five, five, nine, five, eleven? Eleven. Five, eleven. Yeah, five, eleven. Femi, you're you're there. Go answer that question that I've put to him. And also, have you noticed that the atmosphere at the stadium? You know, when we go in 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 the uh, Emery days, we would all go. Oh, we're going to let a goal in any moment. Do you notice that at the stadium that people are quite apprehensive or the atmosphere gets oh, oh, a bit unnervy is the word I'm looking for um, compared to last season? I think I think the only thing I would say is in terms of nervy atmosphere, we're looking at the goalkeeping situation does seem to cause a bit of panic in the stadium at the moment because we are playing it <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> As in, we literally are playing. We hold the, the 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 tactic is for the keeper to hold on to the ball as long as possible, and I just don't think the crowd are used to that yet. To be honest with you, so it does it does draw a breath sometimes. Especially, I th- what game was it? Was it the Man City game where he was just just doing crazy stuff at, um, in our box where it was just like, oh my God, oh my God, he's going to concede a goal. He booted a ball against the player, didn't he? And it almost went in. Uh, those are the types of things that I think are causing nerves. But generally, like Rich says, we, we just hardly give away any chances to even be that worried, to be honest with you. We do not get caught on the transition as much as we used to. We As soon as we lose a ball, we cover that space so quickly. We control 70% of most games at the moment. And then I'm, I'm looking at the table now. It's just, I think this season is just an, a crazy anomaly because I'm looking at it. After 10 games last season, we had 27 points, 14 goal difference. After 11 games this season, we've got 24 points, 14 goal difference. And our goal difference this time is is actually from conceding less goals. We've got the second best defense in the mm. league. Um, whereas our goal difference last time was from, yeah, was from scoring more goals. So, so it's just, but last season, you've only got, we're on 27, City on 23, Spurs on 23. They fell off, which is funny, isn't it? <laughs> they were on 23 this time last season. Uh, and then everyone else is on 20 or below. This season, you've got, you know, Liverpool above 20, Liverpool on 24, Arsenal on 24, City and Spurs are above that 20. So it's, it's a bit of an anomaly. 
basically, there's just a lot of rubbish teams at the bottom of the league. <laughs> <laughs> and good, the good thing for us is we, we actually haven't played most of those rubbish teams. So that's that's quite interesting because we've actually played all of the traditional top six. So got, now, in, in, our the next, question, in our next four games, we've got Burnley and Luton to play. Exactly. So now the question for Arsenal is, can we pummel those teams in the middle of the league? Because someone was saying today, if you got twenty uh, out of the, if you take out the top six teams, you've got another twenty-eight games to play in the season, right? They said if you win twenty-six of those twenty-eight, <laughs> you're doing pretty well. So that means you can only drop a couple of games in that middle group of teams that you're going to play. So you're looking. We already dropped points against Fulham. That means we've got to pick up those points somewhere else. And that's what we did well last season. We beat Villa at home away. We beat. Um, Brighton away. We beat um, Palace. Did we beat them home and away? Yeah. And we beat beat Spurs home and away. away. Yeah, we we went to loads of places. We beat Wolves home and away. But the thing we didn't do last season was beat Man City. And we've already beaten them. That was what we said last season. To do well this season, we've got to beat Man City home or away. And we beat them at home. So I'm still not happy. Those big games are the ones that win you the title. If you win all the other games, that's what gets you in the top four, basically. So... Yeah, we're 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 there. We're there. We we. Yeah, I think we we. I think the people are waiting for the big event, aren't they? Of us <laughs> talking Rich, about this game on the weekend. <laughs> you got anything else to say? Add, add to any of that lot? No, no, no. I think it's just a funny sit summed up uh, very nicely. Is that a Jeremy Clarkson book to your bottom left? I had five of them. Um, I gave them all to the charity shop. Yeah, ones. there's two of them. Yeah, driven have to distraction. Read have you read them? Uh, I've I've read most of them. I put most of them. I got I got a bit bored of them in the end. They're, they're just like excerpts from yeah. his um his column. His his column. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were quite funny though. Yeah, good. Um, uh, Stan, my mate Stan from Canada, who's not been well lately. He told me how he wasn't well, and fucking, I thought he was joking. It's uh, Canada isn't the greatest country in the world, people. Uh, Stan says, can we get rid of Zinchenko and get a left-back can actually defend, please? Rich, did you see Cucurella last night for for, for Chelsea? My God, imagine nope. if we had a left... Femme, did you see Cucurella last night? Because yeah, Richard didn't. He was absolutely <laughs> immense. And against us, he was immense. Is that the kind of player do you think um, Arteta would ever go for? Because we have... We, not that he's going to leave Chelsea, but that's that oh, would well. fix all of our problems down the left-hand side, wouldn't it? Well, you say that, it was absolutely awful last season. How about we don't get rid of Zinchenko? How about we put Zinchenko into midfield with Declan Rice? How about mm-hmm. we, we do that now? Because we clearly have a problem building up play from, and then we clearly don't trust him enough defensively to play him in big games. So, it, And we have a problem at left eight and generally in midfield right now. I think the only reason why we're not starting Tomiyasu in every game is because we have a, a lack of defenders as well. We've basically got six defenders to our book. So if, some, if one of them goes down at any point before January, we're pretty screwed in defence as well. So it's, it's kind of like where we... we it's weird. We, we keep getting rid of loads of players and bringing one or two in. And we always start the season thinking, oh, look at our squad. It looks absolutely amazing. And then by the time you get a couple of injuries, you're like, oh, hold on a minute, we, we don't have enough players here. We've got two keepers on the bench. We've got Cedric and El Nenny. 
And it's like Cedric will never play any minutes, will he? So he's just on the bench for numbers. And you've got two keepers on the... So basically, you've got a bench of six. And one of them is Reese Nelson, who <laughs> rarely comes on. So it's kind of a weird makeup of a squad at the moment. But I personally would, would think, let's put Zinchenko in midfield. We've got a problem at that left eight, let's be honest. And anything that we're trying in there at the moment just isn't working. I'm not the biggest fan of Jorginho at all. At all. Don't don't get me started on him. I just don't want to. Personally, just, no. No more Chelsea. When you've got a midfield three of Jorginho, Havertz and Rice, you're not really going to be creating that much, are you? Exactly. Exactly. But they're so going to what he wants to cover the defence. Why not stick Zinchenko in there? He couldn't have done a worse job than... He can't That's do a worse job, job than... for Ukraine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, no, that's what I would do. But yeah, we... I mean, obviously, the uh, during timber injury kind of screwed mm. us for the season, didn't it? But he, then he Tommy's come in play. and done great. He has, he has. And he's kept fit as well, which is, which is the most important thing. So, touch wood, they all stay fit, uh, which is, I mean... The next few weeks, are just, I don't know if anyone's looked at the fixtures, but it's absolutely insane. It's crazy. Zaid is for love listening to this podcast. How about we have it on a regular basis? <laughs> it's much like uh, sex in a marriage when you've been married for a long time. We've been going for 10 years now and, you know, sometimes think, oh, I can't be bothered. Chris, Chris is, uh, he, he had the winter blues. He does it every year. He does the, the first two months, gets the winter blues. And I mean, I've got the winter blues, everybody does. And then so he has to have a little, he has to go in the room with a bright light for two weeks. And that's where he's been. So he's back. He sent me a message today saying, I'm back. I'm back uh, all the time now. And then his windows fall out. Um, Rich, looking at the, we're going to save Newcastle to the end, hopefully, because then Chris might be here. And then he can go, told you so. Uh, Havertz, 17 games. He's played the most number of games this season. Quite high up there in the most number of minutes. One goal, one assist. Is that the have we is is that the player that Arteta wanted in that position to replace um, Xhaka? As it looks, as it looks, do you think Arteta expected this, or is it all? God knows. God knows. It, it's you know when when you try and look at it and analyze it and like say do, do the eye test from. Trying to, trying to look at it without all the variables in there. He hasn't actually done terribly. He hasn't done anything great or good or anything, which I know is, is kind of, you know... Damning praise. The whole thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I thought he was actually, it suppose, pretty decent at, um, uh, in the Newcastle game. For, you know, he's pressing and, and stuff like that. You know, he, he's done well in... in in pockets in certain games and things like that, you know, I, I think if, if you, you know, you take away, I think the two biggest pitfalls for him in the fans eyes is obviously the fact that he's a former Chelsea and literally that, that conveyor belt of absolute dross that, that have come through from that club to us, you know, obviously we'll, we'll weigh him in. and also the amount of money that he's cost. Um, I, I, you know, I would like to have seen him actually a little bit further forward, um, in that, that kind of false nine, you know, up, up top using a bit of physicality, giving us a, another plan B, because I think he, 
he can he can give that. He whenever I see him, he looks so devoid of confidence. And you know, kind of playing within himself, you know. There's times he picks up the ball and you want him to drive on and 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 have some purpose and he, he'll check back or he'll slow it down a little bit. Um and I and I think it's massively, I think Chelsea ruined him last season. And I just think he's really struggling because, you know, although I I didn't see him um, you know, loads in, in when he was at um uh Leverkusen, you know, but you know, from the from the clips and you know the 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 highlight packages from the Champions League that you saw him or Europa League where it was that you saw him in for Leverkusen this doesn't look like the 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 same sort of player and I think it's it's all between his ears. I think it's just a massive uh confidence thing but it's clearly not working with him in that left eight. So I, I think we may be almost need to like say try something a little bit different you know like Femi said having that Zinchenko in that in that um that left eight and and having having Havertz a little bit closer to goal um might actually benefit for uh, benefit him um a little bit but yeah it's I, I I can see why people are frustrated um with him so far, especially as, and this is the third thing that's kind of when what he was taken over from and how well Xhaka excelled in that position last season. Um, so yeah, and then just nothing's going for the lad after, you know, as much as you can feel sorry for a, a multi-millionaire footballer, I, I do slightly feel sorry for him. Ben, you're at the games. <laughs> is your perspective on Havertz different from those of us who watch it from a comfy seat with a with a can of Dr Pepper on the go? No, no, <laughs> I'm constantly saying, what does this guy actually do? And you know what? Every week, I say, I say to my friends, I'm like, I'm going to give him another two games. He'll come good. Another, oh, I'll say, yeah, another two games before I make a decision. I, or I'm always saying, I'm going to. Another, I'll oh, give him another game, but seriously, the bar is just so low now. It's like that performance on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, he played well. He gave Chelsea some passion and ran around and gave a few passes, but seriously, the bar is just absolutely low, 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 low. And the, the worst thing for him is like every time he performs, people just at first it was, oh, well, he's been playing, he's played with four different left backs. And then there was, oh, he hasn't played with Zinchenko yet. Oh, he hasn't played with Jesus yet. Oh, he hasn't. And it's like, oh, my goodness me. Like, are we, how many excuses are we going to give? And I just think also the makeup of the team sometimes doesn't help some certain players. It's like when you see the lineup and you see Jorginho and Havertz in your central midfield, you're like, nah, this is going to be, this isn't going to be a good day. Automatically, you're, just thinking of a, a slow plodding match. I, I don't know if, if it's just me that thinks that. As soon as I see those two playing together, I'm like, why would th- this combination just doesn't work? But then again, against West Ham, when we saw the combination of Havertz and uh, Vieira in midfield, we're like, oh, this, this, something doesn't look right about this. But also, that was with Jorginho in, <laughs> at the back as well. So, I don't know if it's Havertz that that's the common denominator or if it's Jorginho. There's just something about that combination that doesn't sit right with me personally. And 
it just seems so slow and just so unimaginable. It just I don't know. It just it's just a weird combination of those two players and whoever they play with. So I think that the 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 the, the experiment is 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 only going to last so long. And the problem you've got, Arteta, is I think right now I'm actually all right with us just sticking around at the top as long as possible, staying close to Man City, staying close to Liverpool as long as possible until we d- discover what works, what clicks, what picks up form. But I remember a few years ago when William just was not hmm. working and we just kept going. Going and going and going with mm. Willian until we decided to take him out, and then the team form just went upwards. I'm not saying you take habits out, but you cannot force something if it's not working. If the midfield option is not working, it's not working. Let's be honest. I get what Arteta's trying to do. He wants a man that carries the ball and gets involved in touches a lot, which is Erdegaard, and a man that doesn't get involved in touches a lot. And runs off the ball, which is Havertz. It's mm, it's weird. It's weird. I, I I don't like it personally. How long before the the crowd started to turn yet? Because uh, Jaka Ebue, um Almunia do anything, Danny. He doesn't. Are they starting to turn? No, they started. No, it does. The problem is he doesn't do anything. If he was like missing chances, he hardly has any shots. He doesn't have any passes that he has to put through that he gets wrong. He doesn't do anything wrong. So you, what can you moan at? He just does nothing, basically. So he doesn't do get his, involved in build-up play. <laughs> what do you what do you put his reckless performance against uh, Newcastle down to? Frustration on his behalf? I thought or it was just... all right. Personally, all right. He nearly killed someone. <laughs> I've never seen what, that kind of been... anger from him. But that's the best thing he's ever done in an Arsenal shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Jacaresque, some might say. <laughs> Rich, That's the best. Thing. I've never, I've, I haven't seen him do anything. <laughs> What's your thoughts on, on that? That Rich is a, uh, is it time? I mean, we have seen in the recent games that he has dropped him from the starting eleven. But it's, is it, a, is it a mess? Is it fixable? Do you, uh, do you hold out much hope? Uh, I, I do because of, of of what we've seen beforehand from him. Um, you know he's played the the the, the highest levels, and and you know he's he's played in the Premier uh, Premier League, and he has. When you look at this dude, he has all the tools to succeed. You know he he's. You know I remember when the first time I saw him at the at the Emirates, and I was like, "Geez, you didn't realize how big this geezer is. He's a big dude, like, and you know he's 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 got touch. He can run. He can he got so much." Uh, facets to his game but at the minute he's so much less the sum of his parts and I think that has got everything uh, to do with in between his ears I, I think it's a it's a mental and a, a, a and a confidence issue you know like I said he, he'll he'll get that ball like I said he's as as for me, uh, for me saying he doesn't do anything because he, he's not taking on that at that that hard pass, that difficult pass. He's not looking to break any lines. He's not looking to do anything. You know, it's almost, it, it's almost like fear. I, I, rem- um, I remember, not that I want to it, it, sully this lovely podcast with his name, but uh, I remember that um, interview with Michael Owen regarding about um, his injury um, after he had his really, really bad injury and he started playing and he started playing within himself because he was scared to make those runs 
because he was scared that his body was going to break down. And it, I, I get a massive whiff of that. Not that his body's going to break down, but, you know, I, I get a massive whiff that he doesn't want to play that pass. He doesn't want to make that run. He doesn't want to drive with that ball because he he's scared of getting jeered. He's scared of getting, of, of failing. And then he's taking that simple and that, that, um, that easy option, that sideways pass, that that holding onto the ball, turning back, and you know that's what I, you know, the massive whiff I I get from him, and I I think it is fixable. I I think I I I kind of think it's it's gonna be in one of those situations where once it clicks, it clicks. But I think in the midfield, which is I wouldn't say misfiring, but like, you know, you've, you've got the constant injuries between Erdegaard and Partey and, you know, uh, 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 Rice coming into a new team, him going into a new team. I don't think he's um, set up to succeed in that left eight role in his current, um, in the current uh, levels of confidence that he has, which is why I think maybe, you know, switching him, him, up, him up into that advanced role you know, it might be a little bit better for him getting, you know, getting him a little bit closer to the goal might be a, a little bit better uh, for him. I mean, only time will tell, but I, 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 thinking about where he's come from and what he's done in the game, I don't think he's a busted flush. Even though it's been no, two teams I, in I, a I row. Think, I think I agree with you about putting him up front. So I was looking at his... I mean, Chelsea was shocking. We last might season. see it at the weekend uh, if, if, um, or tomorrow we if, if Eddie's tomorrow, fit. Yeah. Well, I've got a feeling Trossard might play up front tomorrow, depending on Saka's fitness, because Saka did look a bit, a bit cream crackered on Saturday. You're looking 35 games, seven goals. Now, obviously, a majority of those games would have been up front. <laughs> now, <laughs> I know we all laughed at that. Safe. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I, did you see? Did you see Stan's comment? <laughs> I didn't even see Stats coming. Uh, that was what I saw. That, um, that, Danny put it on there. It made me laugh. Oh, yeah. I thought you were laughing at his seven goals. I was about to say, <laughs> well, our, our other striker had four goals last season. So, I mean, seven goals is quite some going if you're looking at that. So, maybe in a, in a team that is more fluid around him, he might be a good focal point for us for when Jesus is not playing. I, I don't know. Just... We just need something in midfield at the moment. Some our midfield makeup is all wrong, and I think that's where a lot of our issues or, or perceived issues are coming from. You know, it, it looks all wrong. You know, where is our um, our when where's our creativity? So you, you our test has to do something a little bit different, I think. So why not put him up front? Put just stick Vieira in midfield. Stick Vieira, uh, Fabio Vieira in midfield. For, for a few games, not just one game here and there, and then he's out. I mean, Smith rolls out for a month, they're saying. So you've only got a, a few other options anyway. So why not try Havertz up front? Why not give Saka a rest? You know, why? It, it doesn't hurt to. Like, I, I really will be... I mean, England are going to pick Saka next week, aren't they? Hmm. This week, whenever... On Thursday, whenever the squad comes out. So when is this guy going to get a rest? So it's up to us to give him a rest, isn't it? So why not give Saka a rest on Saturday and, and you know, try something different? Possibly. Um, 
yeah, Stan, if for people at home and on the bus, Stan said, as, said, as Jesse Ventura said in Predator, the son of Rich is dug in like an amber of tick. And he also said, I'm a sexual Tyrannosaurus because he was chewing tobacco. <laughs> Something like that, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I think you had a good point there, Fem. If we look at, I've got Arteta's f- um, favourite setup here. Uh, Ray in goal, usual back four, maybe Tommy in for Zinchenko. Uh, I have to keep changing these. The front three, Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. Erdegaard, right A, Havertz, left eight, and Rice in the middle. Um, do you reckon if we had an extended run of, say, 10 games where all of those players played the whole 90 minutes or started 10 games, 10 Premier League games in a row, do you think that would make things a little bit better for Havertz? Because how many times has this midfield three started in those positions? Uh, maybe one or two out of 17, if that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not it's not a combination that's lasted a lot, is it? It's, that's been used a hell of a lot. No, I think the midfield three have played a bit together, haven't they? But uh, mm. not with not with Jesus and Zinchenko being there. Um, it's and then Martinelli was out for a while, wasn't he? So mm. it's a bit different. I mean, we have got more injuries this season. Let's be honest. Um, we have cream crackered some of our players. <laughs> I mean, games and injuries do have a massive correlation. There's a reason why Man City don't get injuries, for example, because Pep is consistently rotated. Pep roulette, right? I don't play fantasy football anymore, but I know people that don't pick Man City players in their league fantasy team because they don't know who's going to be playing from game to game. Whether mm. it, and it's always and a lot of it is wide players as well. Mares was playing. Uh, who else plays wide for them? Grealish would be playing one week. Folden would be playing one week, and you just don't know who's going to be playing. Whereas with Arsenal, if I tell you who's going to play on Saturday, you know it's going to be left wing is Martinelli, right wing mm. is Saka. Always game in, game out, no matter what. And but it's, it's, it's because of that drop off quality. though. Yeah, I was about to I was just about to say Man City have the quality, of course, mm. most definitely. But that's now up to us to build that quality. We've got first teamers now on long-term contracts. We now have to build the quality. Giving Reese Nelson a, a new contract, I I'm just like, what was the actual point of it, to be honest with you? I, I, I don't know personally. If someone can explain to me, then I'm all ears, to be honest with you. I mean, look at that that Doku bloke. He's, he was only the second player in Premier League history to get five um, goal uh, things in a game. He got one goal and four assists in the 6-1 against Bournemouth. I mean, that's the kind of player you want to go out and get. The bloke is something... He's, he's magical, isn't he? And we, we haven't got that. Like, Lamar's last season wasn't a regular. came in, I think it was the FA Cup quarterfinal, semi-final for Man City. He scored a hat-trick and then was dropped for the league game. And you think... Well, we've seen again in our League Cup game what happened when we brought in our backup players. The worst game under Arteta I've seen in two years, probably. Absolutely sh- shockingly bad. Um, but then, what, Danny, what you've got to remember is, I know people will tell me that these players cost 60-odd million or 50 million each and every... If we, we're at a stage where we only need to add one or two 50 million players every summer now to, to get better. But the problem is, if you're spending 60-odd million on a player like Havertz and then you're doing a pity party with him, <laughs> giving him pity penalties and <laughs> hoping he comes good and lowering your bar, then 
that means that 60 million hasn't been well invested. So that's a that's a wasted summer, pretty much. Yeah, sadly. Um, right, let's move on to uh looks like Chris isn't gonna join us. One image sums up the Newcastle game on the screen for people at home on the bus having a poo, walking the dog in the bath, checking goal, possible offside. Rich, um, which one of the three was it? Which one of those three? Actually, could it, could it have been four? Wasn't it? Uh, it was the uh, not over the line. It was a shove and it was handball and possibly offside. Four possible um, reasons to disallow that goal. I remember, I remember when I was watching, I was thinking, well, that's ridiculous. They're going to have four of them. Which one is it going to be? Turns out it wasn't any of them, was it? None what are your them. thoughts? I, I mean, the most egregious one is the foul, is the push into... Um, into the back of of Gabrielle from Joe Linton. It's it's so painfully obvious um, that it it just it borders on the absolute absurd. Like you know the, the ball going out of play. Uh, you know I kind of get that. I, I do get that. It's not conclusive because you've only got one shitty angle to to go from. You know, I I did think it was possibly offside, but we did, didn't really spend enough time, and I haven't really looked at it massively enough to see whether it, I mean, my first instinct was that Gordon was offside because he was beyond uh, David Raya, but without a shadow of a doubt, like you do that on, in any other part of the pitch, that it's a foul. Like you, you clip up and you look at the amount of times that um, um, Trossard or Martinelli like lightly tickled uh, Libertino's backside and he fell over at the byline and straight away it's a free kick like you know it, it, it just it boggles my mind and you know I, how I you know I just I don't understand what their process is like I said we, we can't hear what the the the, the, the conversations uh, the, the VAR to the referee conversations are although to be fair I don't even think that that would really matter because I've I've heard released clips of the the VAR conversations with um with the referees before in other games and it's absolute fucking pandemonium. Sorry to swear, it's just it's absolute pandemonium. How you've got any form of communication or or you know sense of common sense or you know calmness and uh, and, and actually analysing the situation is beyond me because it's batshit mental what goes on in the, in those conversations. But I just it just it doesn't make any sense, and I, I, I when people I see people pundits and, and that defending that action, and I'm like, why you? I, I feel like Mugatu in fucking Zooland. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> it's like I say, you do that in any other area of the pitch, and the referee blows his whistle. So why not in that instant? And it's not like it was hard to spot. It's not like it was it was contentious or you wasn't sure. It, you, in slow-mo, in skills, in real time, everyone can see that that was a foul. Everybody can see it was a foul. If, if, if you say that it, 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 it wasn't a foul, then it's because you have an agenda and you have a bias. That, that, that to me, I... I, I like I said, the other the other ones might be a little bit more contentious, but that's found uh, for me. How about you, Femi? What, what were you putting it down to? And uh, I take it you agree with everyone else 
top of the list of four possibilities was the uh, was the shove because there is no way on, on earth that that is not uh, not a foul, no matter where it is on the pitch, let alone in the box. Yeah, I'll come on to the gaslighters in a minute. The people that want to <laughs> tell us tell us that something that we're seeing is not is not really what we're seeing. <laughs> Those Along people. with the misquotes but... from from um, Arteta, where they were misquoting <laughs> him deliberately from what he said about the, the Liverpool game. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, I hate this. This this has been annoying me all weekend. Um, I've calmed down a bit actually. I've been, I've just been finding. <laughs> things to be angry about, but after Arteta's thing today, I was like, "Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Just who cares? They they hate us anyway." Um, I don't know. For me, obviously, I, I, Rich has explained the foul really well. There's no point in going into that. My my main thing with this offside one and this line one is a few times that I've seen this sort of thing happen. I remember. We were going for fifth, uh, fourth one season, and one of the games that we were that cost us actually was when we played Brighton at home, and uh, Martinelli had scored. We we played really bad in that game. We were so terrible, and Martinelli had scored a goal, and it was just before half time, and somehow it was in a melee of players. There were so many players involved. Somehow, they concluded that he was in front of the keeper when the ball was played. Somehow. So, when I'm hearing things like, oh, we didn't know the point of contact to where the player was, that's literally what they said about the, the offside. We, I mean, we're all looking at it thinking, okay, how did the ball go forward? They're saying, we don't know the point of contact. But the ball did go forward because it went past Rea. So, I'm like, what are we doing here where... Some games, the the we can we can stick to the rules. We can find these lines. We can know where the ball's gone off. And some games, we're being told that oh no, it's not conclusive. We don't know. It's either it works or it doesn't work. It's as simple as that. Now, my scary thing is is if you leave decisions to these on-field referees. They're just so bad. Like we're 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 all lying to ourselves and just, just we're not being honest. We're not going to say they're just so bad, and that's what the Arsenal statement basically said. It's like, like, come on, we've got the best league in the world, supposedly the best fans. That, but let's be honest. Like these guys are so bad. If you leave it to them, what you get is decisions like we got against West Ham in the week, where Ramsdale's shirt is basically dragged off his neck. The goalkeeper's shirt is dragged off. The referee has nothing to do at a corner but look in that box because the lino is looking at the ball, isn't he? Where the player's taking the corner. So all the referee has to look for is a foul or fouls in the box. And he literally looks at that, looks at Ramsey get, and those are the types of decision that we will get if we leave it to refs. So VAR is there to then say, hold on, mate, you're not doing your job properly. Like, that's not right. But what they're doing is they're just saying, oh, you know what? Uh, that's my mate. I, I can't. Oh, I've got to back him up. I've got to back him up. You know, I can't. I, I, yeah, you Yeah, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick with the on-field decision. Last season, it was, oh, there's a, a higher bar for 
this season is, oh, we'll stick with it. It's like we don't know what the rules are. Like, what are we doing? Is it sticking with the on-field decision? Is it a higher bar of intervention? Is it? And now everyone is confused. The fans are confused. The refs, I'm sure, are confused. Everyone is confused. No one knows what's going on anymore. It's an absolute... It's a, it's a joke. The league is, is farcical right now, to be honest with you. Well, it's, it's such the weird juxtaposition in the sense of like, so our goal again last season against uh, Leicester, where they fucking comb through to see Ben White holding the motherfucker's hand, but they can't see that from Gabriel. That's the, that's the thing that's so bizarre. You know, you can comb through and see uh, the Wolf Strikers studs hitting fucking David Luiz's knee. But you can't see this, you know. You can you can see uh, Rashford's ball. You've got the angle to see Rashford's cross is out, but you don't have the angle to see that this is out. Like that's the thing that's re- really really annoying. And as you touched on um, just now, Femi, about that that it's all their mates and it's all what's it called? That's not a conspiracy theory. That's been said out loud in an interview on a podcast by Mike Dean. He he purposely didn't send his his because he didn't want to embarrass his mate. He didn't want to do that to him. So we know that shit goes on. You know we've had so I, I, it annoys me because these same idiots right in in the media and stuff like that who are now like, say coating off Arsenal and, and Arteta for making this statement and stuff like that. They're the same pundits week in week out who are interviewing Dermot Gallagher on bloody Sky Sports News about referee decisions. What did they get right and what did they get wrong? This is not something like new. This isn't something that's, that's yeah, Stan just put in the thing. Brentford, they're not, um, not drawing the lines. How many, how many apologies does a club have to receive before they kind of say, well, this, you know, enough is enough. This is, this is, this is terrible. This standard that you're setting is beyond the joke. And it's, you know, you're supposed to be a professional outfit. You know, one of the, I think, is it, is it us in Italy? It might even be more now. Uh, you know, professional referees in the world. One of the only countries with professional referees. And it's just, it's diabolical. And that is because it's been, it's been presided over for the last decade and a half by Mike Riley, one of, I, I, which who I still haven't forgiven for cheating us out of that 50th game. And I don't care what anyone says. He absolutely robbed us that game. Nobody he can tell me otherwise. Him. They all laugh. Yeah. But he, he's presided over a decade and a half of, of uh, referees not getting any any better. The, no diverse um, uh, referees, um, even just in, in locale. Everyone's from the fucking northwest i keep swearing sorry dan everyone's from the north what's it called um so there's no like i say everyone's from 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 that area you know there's there's no like i say good refs coming through any good refs that might have been coming through the thing sick and tired of his nonsense and 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 bowled off to other leagues and stuff like that like um i can't remember is it clattenberg and things like that you know, you've only got to look at the, the previous uh, head of the PGMOL, uh, Keith Hackett. You should listen to how he describes the absolute farce that, that Mike Riley has presided over. And, you know, I don't want to give Howard Webb too much crap in the sense of because, you know, much like when Arteta took over the Arsenal team and he had 
a load of deadwood and a load of things to change. Like I said, how Webb's coming into this job of, like I said, a decade and a half of mismanagement and and non-compliance, you know, like that that World Cup when no English refs went to the went to the World Cup just because that was how bad they were, you know. And, and but that being said, how Webb, the guy who's who's trying to bring this into the the limelight, this is the same guy who was famously Fergie's mate, Fergie's little henchman. You know, oh, I just it, it say it just it, it's the inconsistencies in, that that really really get on your nerves week in week out. That 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 you can't that you that you just don't understand um, uh, from it. You know they they don't seem to know what they're doing. They haven't seemingly taken advantage of or or looked into other sports similar to um, to football, like for for instance rugby that that uses their TM, TMO to kind of look at the pros and cons and how it's working, how it can get better. Like I said, it, it, mate. Seriously, if, I don't know if you you are able to to clip up. You can see it on the socials. The the, the conversations between the VAR and the and, and the referee is carnage. It's an absolute disaster zone, and it, it, it's not anything new. It's, it's something that's been going on for far too long. And I just I don't understand why. I don't know if it's just because it's Arsenal. It's just because it's Arteta. How all these um, pundits and stuff like that are kind of making out like he's he said something egregious or something completely out of left field and disgraceful because i i don't think arteta really has he's just he's a he's just a manager who's been fed up and kind of ranting the go a little bit at the end of the game but it's it's no different maybe a little bit more heated than what every pundit on match of the day sky sports news uh talk sport what all the pundits say Week in, week out, there's a there's a decision. Not just in the Arsenal game, but in every single game, every single weekend, there's some sort of flashpoint where the referees are being crap. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Ten years, uh, ABW. How many times have we complained about refereeing decisions for Arsenal? Whether we're winning, whether we're not winning, it's there's just been a constant stream of these weird decisions that happen in our games and towards us that we just think, oh, okay. But what 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 do we always say? Oh, if that was Jacka, if that was Jacka. Jacka got, got sent off for a tackle on the halfway line that no one else in the league has ever got sent off for. We, we've seen so many the Two weird yellow cards like, for Martinelli, one for two separate incidents, yeah, one we, after the other. Exactly. And one of them was just a basic tackle that we see Rodri do 10 times in one game. Without well, a yellow card. Well, this bloke, so many Bruno, didn't get booked until the 88th minute of the game. And that shit well, he was up to the entire game. Well, this is what I was going to say. The Bruno one, I mean, there was one where he just ran into the back of Jorginho. That's just insane. He didn't even get anything for that. Mm. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard, Mark, Mark, you have to listen to old referees when they talk, by the way. because One of them was on Harry, Harry Seamy's podcast today. Yeah, it, it gives you an insight into how they really think and that you think that these guys are just professional guys who just but when they retire and you listen to them you're like mm, th- these men are just number one they're human beings and they're very they're just uh, so Clattenberg has come out and said well he didn't send Bruno off because he didn't send Havertz off and he knew that would have descended into chaos basically and I'm and like put your hands on the referee they did it at least twice 
I'm like, is this really what we're doing now? We're we're saying, okay, if that one was in the red card, I'm not gonna get. And it's like, what are we doing here? What is going on? And and one thing I want to ask everyone, including the chat, is, do you actually remember when Howard Webb was a referee? One of the things that I remember about Howard Webb as a ref was, this guy is gonna finish referee and then he's gonna be some sort of celebrity. That's literally why I always used to think he was always the star of the show. You always knew when a Howard Webb game was on. You knew his presence was there. There was another. Yeah. Now, what is Howard Webb right now? He's a celebrity ref, basically, as the head of the PGMOL. He's got his own television show with Sky, with someone who's conveniently has a lot to say about Arteta, Michael Owen. And it's like all these things are just, it just doesn't sit right, you know. There's just too much of this stuff going on that you're just like, no. And I think, like Rich said, at some point, a manager was going to blow up. At some point, a manager was going to blow up. You well, know, they find it them is like £40,000 if they say anything, don't they? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. You're not allowed to, they stick a camera in front of the manager's face <laughs> after, uh, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, tell us what you think and then most of them just come out with stupid rubbish oh you know uh it was this or was that or they just say nothing basically you're like okay i didn't really gain anything from that most of the time arteta just comes out and he says me he says you know first of all i have to look at me if we lose i have to look at me then very rarely he blames the players but he always says first of all i have to look at me we have to work harder blah blah blah, blah. And then I'm tuning into this. Uh, I don't want to get into pundits and all of that, but I'm tuning into radio with Barry Glenn Denning and all of these people saying, "Oh, Arteta's a serial offender. Arteta's a clown. Arteta's always having a go at ref." And I'm like, "How about you guys are journalists? These are paid. You're paid journalists. Bring some facts. Bring facts. Show me where Arteta's had a go at referees before." Show me, like let's let's actually not talk rubbish. Let's look. And the, the worst thing is, these people hate being called out on their rubbish. They say these things to to push an agenda to make the average fan who doesn't listen to or watch interviews with other managers to make them think that this is the truth. Arteta never has a go at referees. The most he's ever said is, "If I say what I think." I'll be suspended for six months. That's the most, I'm, and that was after a Cedric penalty for God say that we've never seen anything like it before ever ever seen anything like it before we saw a penalty against spurs that mustafi that crap player gave away when one of their players was actually offside but they still gave the penalty it's like all these things have been happening for years and years and years and years and years we've seen it and arsenal fans have been saying hold on a minute what's going on here why do arsenal never say anything why does Arsene Wenger never say anything? What, what is it? Like, um, then you get idiots coming on radio telling you, gaslighting you, telling you Arteta is a serial offender. I'm like, mm, well, you're lying because Arteta runs up and down the sideline, not at the fourth official. He runs up and down the sideline motivating his team. Now they brought in a rule to say you can't leave your technical area. And apparently they, they were joke. the referees were joking, weren't they? Because that was the Arteta rule. Isn't that what they said? Some one of the refs said that. He said they were joking that, oh, this is the Arteta rule that you can't leave because most of the time he's just motivating his team. What's wrong with that? 
fair enough. A few times he might have a go at managers or whatever, whatever. So what? Arsene Wenger was the most passive guy on the sideline. Passive. How many fights did Arsene Wenger have with other managers? Multiple fights. You know, it's 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 a passionate game. It's a passionate game. And they want to sanitize every single part of football. They don't want fans to have a voice. These media people that have been telling us all weekend, oh, shut up, Arsenal fans, just take it. Just you you cry babies. All they, they and the, the worst thing is they can't shut the fans up anymore. They can't tell the fans what to think anymore. And they hate it so much. They hate the fact that fans have a voice. Fans have podcasts that are more insightful than their stupid analysis of, oh, Newcastle wanted it more. Like, shut the hell up. Like, or people telling us Newcastle deserve to win. Like, don't win. We're not, we're not stupid. We have our own voice. We have our own shows. We can listen to our own podcasts. We don't need to choose. I swear to God, if I could never tune into Sky again after this weekend, I would. Because it's been, a, it's just been farcical and just a joke. It's absolute joke. like, And it just irritates me. Then you listen to people just saying, oh, Teta's a clown. He's a... And I'm like, you stupid idiots, failed managers, people that are jealous. I bet you in their little circles, they're like, oh, how come he got to get the Arsenal jobs and I'm getting the Derby job and I'm getting the, this job and is it because foreign, bloody, bloody. It's just a joke. And I always thought it was because of Arteta, but it's not. It's because they hate Arsene Wenger. It all started with Arsene Wenger. They they destroyed Arsene Wenger. Let's be honest, the press did. I'm not saying the fans didn't have a part to play, but it started with the press. The press were hammering this man for years and years and years and years. And then when Arsenal fans had enough and, you know, results weren't going, and fair enough, Arsenal fans were very bad to Arsene Wenger, then the press started going... Well, look at these Arsenal fans. They're so bad to the greatest manager in their history. Oh, my God. How can they... T and I'm like, you flipping assholes were constantly d disrespecting Arsene Wenger for everything that he did. And they just think that we just, we're just we just idiots. And it's, um, it's just unacceptable. And I think the fans have just had enough, to be honest with you. The fans have had enough. The media cannot pull the wool over our eyes on this one, to be honest with you. And I'm so glad... I don't care what anyone says about the statement or whatever. I'm glad that Arsenal and Arteta actually stood up for the club the way the fans have been for years mm. and years on social media. Ran over. I've been, I've been, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> well, it all goes back to you have your favourites, Liverpool, Man United. They're, they're the, the darlings of, of the media. And it goes back to the, the late 80s when Arsenal beat Liverpool in the League Cup final. The first time Ian Rush scored a goal and Liverpool lost. And then Anfield 89, that's twice. We, we were the ones who broke Liverpool because after that, they, they didn't do anything again for decades. And then it was the Man United, or Man United with Ferguson, oh, we're the greatest teams. No, we were the ones beating them in FA Cup finals. We were the ones doing the double twice. We were the ones who went invincible. And they don't, and now it's Man City are the ones that are running away with everything. And it looks like we're catching them. We beat them in the charity shield. We beat them in the league game. And they don't like it. And they don't, they hate the fact that Arsenal are the ones that come out and beat all these other teams that are dominating uh, Liverpool, Man United, and, and now Man City. And Adrian Durham, for years, would have the daily Arsenal laughing at Arsenal. Doesn't do it anymore. And now they've all gone, oh, we're going to pick on Arsenal. Oh, they're just moaning all the time. Well, how about you look at it? It's black and white. It's facts. You look at the replays. Everybody can go and download the game and look at it after or record it on Sky. 
and you can go and have a look at it frame by frame. And when the people doing the commentating have figured out what the whether it is a handball, whether it was offside, whether the ball was out, and they figure that out within 10 seconds, and it takes them five or six minutes with the VAR to do it, probably because they're discussing whether how they can get away with not doing it, like like you were saying, Richard, with the Australian bloke and and then the Liverpool game. How the hell that he said, Oh, it's too late to do anything about it now. They knew they'd made a mistake. It was bad communication. He thought it's right, carry on, disallow the goal. But no, it's right, carry on, give the guy, um, disallow the goal, and move on, and then and start it again. But they, they, it is just typical um, British hierarchy where they don't like to be questioned, whether it be traffic wardens, whether it be judges, whether it be the police, whether it be school teachers. You shut up and you take the punishment off them, whether you did it or not. And that, that's how the uh, the upper classes, and that's how all the, you don't see some geezer from London being a, um, a football referee, do you? Or, or, or being a judge, or being the head of the police, they, they just do whatever they want. And that you can't question them. If you do question them, well, contempt of court. Oh, you're going to get your parking ticket. Oh, you're going to get detention after school. Oh, you're going to get a £40,000 fine from the FA. Because they don't want to be questioned. And that's the way British society works. And so what we need to do is have a European pool of, of referees and then they all do different countries. Remember back in the day where everybody wanted um, Kalina to come over here and referee? Wouldn't take any shit off of anybody. Has no loyalty. Like you were saying, Rich, most of the referees are from the, from the northwest. None. There's no referees from London when that thing was done. And where's uh, Sean Massey gone? Where's she disappeared to? The only woman in football. Gone. That's what I mean. Because there's, 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 there's no progression. Everyone, you have to be a dour... You know, jobs were from the north, from the northeast to northwest. Sorry, to um, to 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 get anywhere. You know, it it doesn't help. Uh, you know, because Arsenal have got such a massive. You know, we're a massive club, and we have a massive online presence. That is just, mate. It's just clickbait, 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 clickbait. As I said at the at the start of my rant, um, yeah, kind of thing, nobody can look at that challenge from Joe Linton on Gabrielle and say that's not a foul. The only people that will say that wasn't a foul are people who have an agenda. People who are trying to drive clicks and, and views and engagements because they know that, you know, there's goobers like myself or others that are going to go on to uh, talk spike are going to go on to these talk shows or go, go on to Twitter, formerly known as X or X or known as Twitter, whatever nonsense is, is, is on these days, and, and you know, stick up for it, complain, make mention, and it just it drives up their engagement. And that is all about it. There's no nuance. There's no, um, there's no neutrality. It is just clicks and engagement now. And that is exactly what is driven because... Arsenal mean big business. Arsenal mean big engagement. Arsenal mean big views because of the following we have, because of the the the, the club and the history that that we that we have. That that's why Adrian Durham for years has been spouting bollocks on on talk spite about us because he knows he'll get uh, they'll get a you know a an absolute volley full of of people calling up spending. I don't know two pound a minute to try and correct him, or you know, have their have their 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 say back. You know, it just I, I it's just it's baffling. Um, the the what's called I 
I don't think that Howard Webb is the man to do it just because of from what I've seen beforehand. But like I said, the the the, the refereeing standards in this country have, have absolutely fallen on its ass, and it's going to take a long, long while and a big, big change for things to 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 get any better. Um, you know, and I would I would imagine you go to as as Femi said about you know we don't need we, you know when for Arsenal on Sky you know, uh, on TV, literally I'm tuning into that game one minute to kick off. Yeah. Half time comes off. I'm going off to get a drink, have a pee, do whatever I need to do. As soon as that game is finished, boop, off goes the TV. I'm not listening to Gary Neville and Jamie bloody Carragher. Fake Dicker. The one who used to play for Stephen Warnock. What's he ever done in football? I bet he shut up and that woman with him, Thick as shit, most of them. They, they, they've all because they're the Scouse Mafia, all the Mank Mafia. But, but like, but like, but like Ferry said, in the sense of, I, I'm not going to them for their analysis because they don't watch enough. They can't do. They they physically can't watch uh, enough football and enough games enough because they've got they've got to technically cover the whole of football to know more than me about Arsenal. And that sounds really arrogant, but you know what I'm I'm kind of saying? I I I generally don't you know match of the day or something like that. I'm I'm watching Arsenal highlights. I'm generally not watching a a, 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 a lot of anything else because as Finley said, we've got our podcast, we've got our you know our um uh, 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 journalists that we that are Arsenal centric that we, that we know and that that cover exclusively that content. We we don't need these 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 jokers. I said we don't don't listen to them. Um, I've kind of <laughs> it's, it's, it's it just it, it drives me insane kind of thing that the 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 absolute nonsense that they're coming out with and it, you know it's it's all entrenched as as Femi said. Uh, Howard Webb has got his TV show with Michael Michael Owen. You know he's he's doing shows with Jamie Carragher and and, and Gary Neville that they're they're all going sweet. I I'm, I don't know how true this is, but allegedly. Um, um, uh, they, they've all been um, told by uh, however the PGMOL that uh, to, to, that they should be back in the PGMOL against Arteta. Allegedly, that's what Keith Hackett has has, has come out. So I've not name dropped him twice here, but it just I just it, it. We don't need these guys. We don't need these guys at all. They are like I said, they they're yes, in it for the yes. wrong thing. Mm. It is. Fem looks like how long, he's, how long he's just resigned we, um, to giving up. <laughs> yeah, it's also all rubbish, isn't it? How, how long before we just get rid of referees altogether and just have a, a robot standing in, in the middle of the pitch? <laughs> I don't see the difference, to be honest. Well, just no have a robot. And then if the referee, if, if the players start fighting, the robot has something that just tasers them or something. <laughs> That's all the referee's really there yeah. for. You might... You just referee the whole game with with you should be able to anyway with with a video with VAR, but then you get the same idiots on the pitch yeah. that are doing the VAR anyway. So it's all a cycle of absolute rubbish, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, it's it's all it's all crap. It's all rubbish. But <laughs> my last thing I was gonna, I just want to say about like say refereeing refereeing standards, and it's not just me defending Arteta and me defending my club and me defending Arsenal. I'm fairly certain if you went to every single, you know, 
every single team's fan cast or podcast or fans, they each t- each team could give you a litany of fuck ups that have happened to their club and egregious um um refereeing decisions that has happened to them. So it's not just about us and it's not just about Arsenal. It's happened to every single club. So it's not just us saying that it's it's only us. Every single club could could um come up with a with a, a whole host of, of egregious decisions. And that's what's the problem is the standard of refereeing, he's so, so bad and has been for the last decade and a half because of Mike Riley. You know what? It's funny you said that because I've watched the last few Wolves games. They've been absolutely done over by the referees. Mm, and, relegation. and one day someone is going to take legal action against that. When they're getting PGRML boxes of milk tray every weekend, every every Monday morning, and a bunch of flowers... You know that something's going on, and these managers, yeah. because it's a small club like that, the um, the Sheffield United manager, when he was saying about the referees, he said they're killing the game. I was on the Sheffield United podcast. I said that was what that Sheffield United manager said was absolutely magnificent. What Klopp said was magnificent. What the Wolves manager has come out and said is magnificent. It's I'm not just saying it's Arsenal stuff. Like you were saying, Femi, all the clubs can come out with, with a litany of things that have been done, and, and they've. Furious thing is, it's not like in the old day we had two cameras. There's like 50 cameras at the game. We all can go back and look at when you fuck it up. And then if you feel like it, they give us an apology. And if they don't feel like it, like if Arteta, they just go, shut up, you're wrong. And if you say anything, that'll be 40 grand, please. And then they're, oh, saying anything again, are you? Right, that'll be 40 grand and a three-match ban. Oh, and maybe we'll take points off you. It'll just go on and on and on. It's like when when you're a naughty child. I once grounded Sean for three months. It started, right, one day, two days, a week, two weeks, four weeks, a month. Once I got to three months, she did as she was told, and she was grounded with no phone and no friends for three whole months. That's what it was like because I was a bully and she was a very bad boy. Girl, boy, one or the other. Much like Arteta's oh, a bad man. <laughs> yeah, it's the same no, thing. You can't win. You can't fight so them. Bad. He's the worst. He's so, so bad, isn't he? <laughs> I can't. I'm really, I'm so looking forward to when this and. I want to swear, but oh god, this this arsehole and arsehole, whatever his name is, flipping arsehole. I can't wait till they get 10 VAR decisions against them. This stupid prick. Then us about, oh, that's how a manager should act, and all this crap losing 4 1 with your defenders defending on the halfway line. This is how you should play, and all this crap. Oh, I can't wait till this guy gets sacked. I'm just gonna laugh so much. It's so funny right now. This is great, isn't it? This stupid idiots. But a little something to cheer us up. <laughs> Newcastle, AC Milan. I mean, PSG, AC Milan was 1-1. Giroud has come in, scored 2-1. Newcastle were now bottom of their Champions League group. Wait. They, they're, Newcastle are quickly becoming one of my least liked. Yeah. I used to always really like, like, uh, like Newcastle. Um, but they, like you know, obviously, like the... the the, the the blood money and the, the you know the sports washing thing is is one is one thing to contend with, but like they're so overly physical and nasty, but yet when it's get put back on them, mate, they're surrounding the referee, they're whining, they're making da 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 da, they just they become very unlikable. Rich, guess who he went and modelled his game on when he took time off after being sat at Bournemouth. Yeah. Guess who you went and watched? Have you heard this one before? No. 
look at the way they play. Take a yes. do with these Simeone? Yes, thank you very much. You went yeah, and spent okay. time with Simeone at a flag oh, yeah. to study his game. Yep, yep. When he took is, that, is that real? <laughs> yeah. Mate. I'm, I'm, not surpri- I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Stan makes a good point here. He says, <laughs> the media calling Spurs, quote, brave for how they played with nine men. If it was ours, they would be calling us arrogant and they would also be calling for extra punishments and saying that we were, disca- we were a disgrace. That Spurs should have had three players sent off, at least three, and they should have had more bookings. If that had been Arsenal, we'd have had the book thrown at us. It would have, have been carnage all over the news. Two players sent off, kicking and fouling and cheating and diving. It's like when when the, um, that Romero, when he kicked the bloke, Romero rolled around on the floor for about five minutes holding his thigh, pretending he was injured. It's like two small children. You go, one of them goes and slaps the other one, and then he starts crying, so you don't know who's the one who's done anything wrong. That South American He's a, he's a nasty player, Romero. He's a he nasty, nasty player. Absolute prick. Like, he's the real fucking jacker, like, in the sense of, like, he's... His cards and red cards and the amount of yellow cards he's got and the amount of games he's played is absurd. He like he's a nasty, horrible player. It is, isn't it? Oh, um, mate, you know what? Isn't it just hilarious what happened to them last? <laughs> they lost two players in one move. <laughs> that was funny. They got two two players sent off. Uh, that. Uh, injury to the two players in the one move. What, what then? They get something else. Was there another injury or something? And then they got that arsehole that he injured his pubic bone or something like that. Carlson, <laughs> that's come out today. Uh, Richarlison injured his pubic bone. It's like, oh, this that's great, isn't it? So all the all the injuries that we've been having, they had everything happen to them in one game, which is absolutely brilliant <laughs> but they'll be all right because they've only got newcastle and man city to come up in the next four games so then we'll see um oh loki with an update to days since spurs last won the league in black and white anyway it's been an hour and 37 minutes let's go and do some questions first one from phil macker for you rich how long before rice gets fed up carrying the team we need to replace party as soon as possible um, about half an hour or so. No, I, I, I think he'll be all right. I think he's, he seems like a good egg. Is uh, old, um, old Declan. Um, I, I think he's more than happy uh, carrying with his big broad shoulders. Um, that team. Um, I do agree. We need to, we need to replace party, like sharpish, uh, because it's, it's obvious that his body cannot cope, uh, with the, the Premiership. Um, especially the amount of minutes and the physicality. They're wonderful player and that, but he, I absolutely, I think he's a fantastic player and he's, he's so integral and important to the way we play, but it just, you know, he's, he's never available when we really truly need him. Um, so, yeah, so that is, for me, that is a massive, massive thing to do in our, in our next window, especially in the summer, is sort out and replace Parte. But I, I don't think Jack, I don't think Jack can win. Yeah. No, Rich, the problem you've got in midfield is you're carrying party while you're carrying Jorginho and Elneny, basically. Like, Elneny's just mm. a body that makes people laugh at the moment. That's literally all he is in the squad. He's not going to contribute very much in the squad. 
and parties contributing zero to the squad. So you've basically got two players in your central. How many central midfielders have we got? Let's say four altogether, right? And you're basically carrying two, and the third one is Jorginho. So all you've got is is Rice, really. So that that pretty much answers that. We've got a, a major rebuild in central midfield that has to be done between January and the summer. Oh, sounds like uh, mm-hmm. I was about to bring something up. Oh, mm-hmm. why did it just put bonk? Do one of you go out and come mm-hmm. back in again? No, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Is it me? Okay. Um, yeah, he dropped them. Okay. Uh, next question for you, uh, Femi. Havertz or Weghorst? I've had to look Weghorst up. He, uh, Burnley bought him for 12 million in 21 22, and I think they got relegated. And then 22 23 on loan to Besiktas, 8 in 16. Man United, 0 in 17. Lovely. And now he's on loan at Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, 2 in 8. So I think they mean, so I think, uh, knows it means. Big lanky striker up front. Which one would you go for? Uh, Havertz, definitely. I mean, I'm not even going to joke around with this. That guy was absolutely terrible for Man United. <laughs> just an absolute shambles. Like, what? I can't believe. I mean, just even thinking about the fact that Man United signed that guy is it's incredible. It's like what? What's like what is smoking over at that club? But yeah, no, he, I'm not even going <laughs> to dignify that with a. I mean, Havertz plays for Germany, for God's sake, and he, he must have something, even though they're pretty crap right now. There must be something good about him. So <laughs> let's, find, let's find out what it is at some point. Mm. As someone said in the in the chat, we paid 50 million for him and we've got him on a 300k contract, so we better make it work. I think that was Stan who put that right before he's, um, he's dug in there like a Alabama tick. Yeah, there's no, we can't cancel this contract. This isn't an Aubameyang Ozil situation that we could just bomb him off. We just have to make it work. Um, our very own Carl uh, Rich says, if we sign a striker, he didn't put it with a queue. I shouldn't really ask it, but he'll get the ump. If we sign a striker in January or the summer, does Jesus or Eddie need to leave? In the summer, yes. They won't be sold in January. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what uh, Finn said. Some team down the bottom of the league will see that Eddie scores goals. He's up for, for sale. They need someone who's going to come in. A Tony Cascarino, a John Hartson kind of figure. Bring them in, get a few goals, save them from relegation. We go 40 million. Thank you very much. 40 million? Holy smokes. Well, they're um, desperate enough. Uh, yeah, I'll take that for, 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 for Eddie, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think, it, well, if we did, were to bring in another first cottage group, first choice striker, you know, that would see. Jesus or even Eddie's minutes drastically reduce and you know especially at the point in their careers you know I can't see anybody either well especially not Jesus hanging around to be a rotation striker or you know not getting minutes so that I one or both you know one of them would have to leave I'd imagine but I think it's more likely that that would happen in the summer rather than January just because it's so it's so hard to to, wasn't Veghorst bought in January? That's the kind of calibre of strikers you're you're kind of knocking about with um, in, in January. All right, okay. Uh, next question, Femi. What's up with the keepers? It's a mess from Loki. Is it a mess? If it is, what's going on? Oh, mate. 
It's absolutely shambles, isn't it? It's it's <laughs> um it's it's um basically um basically we've just watching Ramsdale last week. I know none of the goals were particularly 100% his fault, but he still looked like the same keeper, did he? No. So you basically, he's broken for now, unless you get him back in his first team. And you can't drop Raya because if you drop Raya, then he's basically broken as well because you're dropping a keeper. It's like, so we're pretty screwed right now where we just have to make it work with David Raya. I know what everyone keeps saying, I'll just bring Ramsdale in. Bring Ramsdale in, but the consequences of that means you've basically lost Raya for the season, and you have to cancel that loan. Thank God we only signed him on loan. But mm. so your only option are to keep going with Raya until the FA Cup comes around, and somehow try and just do a quick little, a little hustle and <laughs> switch them back around. But for now, somehow try and we're stuck with what we have. Femi, can I ask you about the goalkeepers? And I, I think one of the things is is the the biggest difference between the two. I know, like you know, especially last season's Raya's stats and that were very, very good with his feet. You know, that long ball distribution to Embuemo and and Tony and stuff like that. For me, what I've seen, and but I think you might be able because you go to the, the games at the Emirates, you might be able to. to say if I'm right or wrong in it. The biggest difference that I think between the two is their defensive starting positions on the pitch. One of the things that we kept on getting done with, especially in the back end of last season, is those long balls, when we, our defence pushed up, those long balls over the top of our defence, which haven't been a massive issue this season, I think, especially since David Raya has come in because his starting defensive position is so high. Am I wrong in that instance? Yeah. Um, basically, Raya plays like a third centre-back. That, that's, that's basically what you'll see at most games. He's so high in the box that he, he's basically your... And then you notice that Ramsdale can't really play like that, especially when he played last week. He doesn't play the same way. He literally is so high up the pitch he, he he contributes so much in the in the game but the one thing that i will say about ryan distribution is he had someone to hit when he was at, at um brentford which is ivan tony the amount of times even we played brentford and he raya would hit ivan tony and ivan tony would bully our two center backs no matter who it was saliba gabriel anytime ivan tony was playing against us no matter how bad that team was, he would bully our centre-backs and Raya had someone to pick. For us, he can't play like that. So that automatically changes the way that he's got to play. So I'm not so sure what his short distribution was like um, at, at Brentford because I don't really think they they play a lot mm. like that. They play kind of like that, but it's like a mid-long ball type game that they had the target man to hit. But for us... He just has to be. He's more like a um, what's his name, the Man City keeper, um, Edison. Edison. Is it? Yeah, he's more mm. like a Edison than than a Ramsdale for us. And then when you, the problem with that is then when you bring Ramsdale in and you're asking him to do the same thing, you're clearly not comfortable doing that. So now we're basically back to the same position we were last season, where we've got two different styles of keeper. Which one was? Um, 
Matt Turner and one was Ramsdale. And obviously, everyone said, oh, yeah, Matt Turner's just not good enough. And it's going to get like that with Ramsdale on a few occasions that we're going to see him where people... And Danny, remember when I, when we did that that show earlier? <laughs> After the first game, Ramsdale was dropped. And I said to you, what did I say to you? Oh, don't start me on that again. <laughs> I've, I've had sleepless I, nights because of that. I said to you, the first game, I said to Danny, Ramsdale's gone. He's, he's going to get sold. And he's just like, no, he's not. No, he's not. And look at the outcome. You're seeing it already. <laughs> yeah, that, that for me is the biggest difference between the two. Because I, I don't think Ramsdale is that much worse than Ryan. Maybe he's a, a, not, at moment, not as confident and calm, maybe a little bit as thingy. The biggest difference between the two, for me, I, I think, is that starting position. And I, I don't think, like I said, I think it's such a... Uh, 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 it allows us to press so much higher, and I think that's the thing that Arteta is not yeah. going to want to go back. I think this, I think the the passing out from the back, <clears throat> excuse me, and his his distribution is a bit of a, a, a misdirect. I think the biggest thing for uh, for the uh, biggest plus point that Rye gives us is that high starting line. Yeah. Changes the way we play, really. Mm-hmm. That those, those little things do change the way that a team plays. The keeper changes the way you play. Mm. Yes. While we've been doing the show, apparently the PGMOL have released two and a half minutes worth of audio from the, the from the referees um, during the Newcastle game. Now, should we have a listen to it during the show? Oh God, no! I hate, cool. it. I hate the <laughs> Right, I'm going to have to mute myself because this is going to come out of my speakers. So I'll be able to hear everybody, but I'll also be able to hear this. So you two can talk as we do it. So I'm muting myself. Oh, God, let me mute myself. This could either be absolutely fantastic or go or really, really badly. What do you reckon, Fem? I hate these assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a number of things to check. Was the ball in play? Was there a foul? Is the offside an impossible handball? Great. Impossible offside from Gordon. No, let's check if the ball is in play. Just checking the offside. Delay, delay. No, check the ball. Okay, delay. Checking if the ball is in play. There we go. This is the best angle we have. That's the best angle you've got? Yeah. <laughs> from all the 89 cameras, this is the best angle I have for you. Ball looks out. We can't. I need, I need a decision. I need a decision. Are you sure, there's no other angle. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess it's still on field. Yes, I need a definitive answer. <laughs> it's in field. Check complete. Check complete. Wait. 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 Need to run the other checks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, lads. Are you running the check? Which one? <sighs> check the foul on Gabriel, please. Just getting a tight angle. That's fine. Perfect, yeah. Let me just switch angles. I think this angle might be better. Happy with this? Yeah. It uh, looks like he's moving forward already. There's two hands on his back. Can't be sure if that's a push. Check, check complete, check complete. That's fine. Perfect. <laughs> well, well, I'm check. Uh, delay, delay. Checking the offside. Uh, give a touch point. Let's go. Um, Touch point, please, and then the 2D line. I can't do that. What? This is the best angle I have. We'll need an angle where we can see the ball making contact. I can't find one. Do we have any cameras? Any any luck? Any luck? Delay, delay, still checking. 
what do we do? Do you have anything else? This is all I can give. This is going well. We need to get this moving. Boys. This is it? Yeah. Okay, there's, there's no conclusive evidence whether Gordon is behind the ball, so stick with the, the on-field decision. Okay, check and play, check and play, call stands. Thank you, mate. Well done, boys. Well wait. Done. wait, 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 wait. You haven't won the handball check. It's too late now. Oh my god! <laughs> no! This no, is a shambles! We start the game. Oh my goodness oh. me! Well done, boys. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, this isn't real. This isn't real, Danny. No, 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 that can't be real, Danny. That can't be real. <laughs> That's not real. <laughs> that cannot be real. That cannot be real. Where did you get that from? Is that fake? It's fake. It's fake. That's it has to be. Surely. It sounded like it was real, but <laughs> there's that long. <laughs> bit. I when they said good process, lads, that's when I knew, okay, this isn't real. <laughs> Anything before that could have been real. <laughs> but it sounded, it sounded thingy. It sounded, it sounded like that utter carnage that normally goes on. But Holy shit. It gave us a nice laugh for the end of the oh pod, didn't it? Because uh, really did. You see, when I started playing it, um, Bobby, who, who did the tweet, um, at Bob Lex, he put nice bit for satire. That's why I quickly went full screen to see if uh, <laughs> see what you two would say. But it's a nice Mate. way to end the show on a, on a lighter note, isn't it? it fair, fair play to Femi. He, he weren't fooled. I was absolutely all in on that one. I was like, holy... It sounded pretty much like the absolute carnage that normally goes on. Well done, lads. Well done. Good process. Right. Good process. On that on that happy note, we've been going for an hour and 53 minutes. We do have some more questions left, but we, we need to end the podcast with a smile the same way we started the podcast. I don't know if Chris is still going to join us. He might join us for, he might give us for a, a cheeky pirate wave for the last 30 seconds of the show, but I doubt it. Um, anyway, we have a game tomorrow night against uh, a home to Sevilla. We win that, and then we are almost definitely going to be through to the uh, whatever round they've invented next. And then we've got a two-week break, and then we're back with a game against Brentford. So hopefully we'll have uh, Saka will be fit after playing back-to-back 90 minutes in pointless games for England. Jesus, any chance he might be fit? Probably not. Party? Probably not. <laughs> Who knows? Never know. Might I thought, you, I thought you said you wanted, to be, you wanted to end the podcast positive. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, uh, Formerly knows it sums it up perfectly. Hashtag Carpenter out. Femi, thank you very much. It's been a joy to have you on again. Good process, lad. Good process. <laughs> and Richard, it's nice to have you back on enjoying looking at your books, with your Dan Brown books. Very underrated author. Underrated. Thank you very much, Danny. And thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah. Um, thank you to everybody in the chat. Last the podcast, 70.1% of you were subscribers, which is higher than what most podcasts go through. But if you are one of those 29.9% or whatever it was, feel free to subscribe. Put this in a circular to everybody who works for your company, especially if it's a large company with millions of employees, and get everyone to subscribe. We will be back um, probably... I don't know if Chris can be able to do one next week. We've got no idea when we're back. So when we do come back, it will be a surprise. We shall leave you with an outro of, of Steve and Dave. Thank you very much and goodbye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business.
He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at it. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>